The following audio is from Restoration Southside Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where our mission is to restore people and places through outreach, authenticity, and sacrifice. For more information, visit restorationsouthside.org. The scripture reading for today is from John 5, verses 1 through 9. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, an Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there um, who had been there, been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been there a long time, he said to them, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. You may be seated. And if you are in kindergarten through fifth grade, and you would like to go to Children's Church, please go to the volunteers at the Kids Zone sign. Thank you, Jamie. It's a special morning. Uh, This morning you have a guest preacher named John Mark Scruggs. He's the RUF pastor at University of Tennessee, Chattanooga, and he is a friend who is near and dear to me uh, as young and maybe not so young anymore pastors. We have been doing life and ministry together for a long time. And so I am so grateful to have him bring God's word for you this morning. As you know, we have many UTC students that we minister to, and it's a pleasure for us to get to have John Mark and Jamie here uh, since they both work with RUF UTC. So please give your attention to God's word as John Mark preaches for us. John Mark, please come. Good to be with each of you this morning. I have a few familiar faces in the crowd from UTC, which is really fun. And Jamie, who just read, um, thanks. I don't know where Jamie went. Thanks for all you've done. So I would have, I'm still losing my mind in a pandemic and doing ministry, but I've lost my mind so many times and so grateful that Jamie um, has been alongside uh, to reorientate me, to keep me organized, um, to have a partner in ministry. So thank you, Jamie, and thank you all for being here. We, I feel like it's a big deal that we made it to the last uh, day in January. I'm pretty, I have to tell people when I'm excited, I'm really excited. I'm going to pray. We'll consider this passage together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. It is good to be together this day. It is good to worship you. Father, we would just pray that you would continue uh, to meet us in your word. Father, I would pray as we find out from Jesus today how proactive and kind and near and tender he really is. So, Father, I would just pray that with all the the stress that comes into a morning like this, um, sometimes it does feel silly that you would meet us where we are. You would know what we need to hear, the interaction that we needed to have. So, Father, I would pray again, meet us this morning. In your name we pray, amen. 
So students might know this well. We have a weekly tradition at our house of our kind of family Friday night, movie night, and pizza night. We have a rotation each time who um, gets to pick the movie, and it's just kind of a part of our week. That's what we do. And it also provides endless amounts of illustrations. I'm going to use, hopefully, a movie that you'll have seen um, before, actually, or two movies, Pixar films, Finding Nemo, and Finding Dory. So I want you to think through this film um, or those movies as you watch them again for there is obvious lack and there's less obvious lack. What do I mean by that? Um, obvious lack, if you think about um, Nemo, one of the main characters, Nemo has a fin and compared to his other fin and his body, it's underdeveloped. As soon as a fish meets Nemo for the very first time, they are wondering what happened or what is wrong with his fin. Nemo has very obvious lack. It's maybe you have that lack or maybe it's meeting someone for the first time and it's like, make sure I don't stare at this about them. And we each have that as well. It's the lack that's on the outside. It's the physical lack. It's the obvious lack. And then you have those with less obvious slack. Um, let's see how this lands. Like Bruce. So Bruce, we don't realize until we find out what Marlon is crossing the ocean to find his son. And Marlon tells the story to Bruce about what he's doing. And Bruce says, I never knew my father. I lack a relationship with him. Or we have Marlon, who lacks control, even though we also watch that he always wants to have control. He wants control of the situation. He wants control of the others around him. He wants control of the experience. He wants control, and he lacks it, so he's anxious, and he's worried, and he says, you can't a lot. And then we have characters like Dory. If you had a conversation with Dory about details of your day, she would forget those de details very quickly. Dory even says, I suffer from short-term memory loss, and those who are in relationally close proximity to her are constantly frustrated because she can't remember. And if you watch Finding Nemo, Finding Dory again, it a number of different characters who are connected and interconnected because of what they lack. And I want each of us to consider these questions this morning. What is it that you lack today? Is it physical? Does it have to do with your genetics? Is it relational? Is it something I describe even with emotions? I'm always trying to track down my emotions because my emotions are associated with what's really important to me, but I don't always know what that is until I get emotional. Or it's just something that's not going to show up on an x-ray. It's something on the inside that is off or broken or we feel disconnected about that thing. So what is it for you today? How do you respond with when what you lack is actually exposed? I don't know how you have been in 2020 and 2021. I have been really intense about everything. 
everything I can make into a really big deal, and I don't like that about myself. So what is it? How are you responding? What are you doing about it? And then finally, is Jesus meeting you in your lack at all? Can he meet you in your lack? Is there anything he can possibly do about it? Your stress level, your frustration, your disconnection, whatever it is um, this morning, what is he doing? Does he have anything to do with your daily life and what actually is going on? I want you to consider those questions as we consider these two, two points together from John chapter 5. The first point is this. What we lack is significant to Jesus. I'm going to say that again. What we lack is significant to Jesus. And the second point is this. Jesus actually transforms us in the place of our lack. So it's significant to him, and he transforms it. So let's begin with this first point. Um, What we lack is actually significant to Jesus. And we'll just consider the setting of these people and then consider this individual. But this setting would be something like this with a lot of columns, and there would be water, kind of a pool of water in the middle of this setting that everybody was familiar where this was. I'm not going to reread the verse. But then the setting where there's a roof, there's columns, there's standing water, there's a lot of individuals around the water, and it's almost like if there was a Super Bowl party, everybody's looking, for the most part, unless you're not interested in the Super Bowl, but most people are looking at the TV. Everybody is looking at the water because we have a footnote in your Bible. There's verse 1, 2, and 3, and then it goes to 5. Like, hold on, there should be, not a mathematician, but one, two, three, four. And we have this footnote that was believed then that had had to be added later. An angel of the Lord would come and put a finger in the water and stir the water, and whoever could get to the water first would be completely healed. So you have individuals and a lot of people together who lack, and the medicine of all medicine is in the water, an angel, what God, what it would be impossible for us, God makes possible if you can just get to the water in time. Because it was believed the first person who got there would be healed. So that's what people are doing. That's why they're here. And within those um, individuals who lack, and some are desperate and some are really desperate and sick and really sick, we meet this man. And this man is about to meet Jesus. It says, one man was an invalid for 38 years. So that age is very significant in antiquity because it would be equivalent to like late 80s to 90s to us. Most people did not live to reach their 38th birthday. I'm 36. That is very hard for me to imagine as I'm getting to closer to 38, but not only is he's old, he's been in this condition for 38 years. His life has been confined to basically a yoga mat. 
his entire life and he's here and he's staring at the water and he's hoping it will be stirred and he's cynical that he can even make it there in time. We find out this question and I would love to allow um, like 10 minutes for it to just sit out to the room. So again, imagine the picture, imagine your lack, and imagine Jesus coming up to you and saying, do you want to be healed? It's like we're sitting around in a circle staring at water. We have exhausted resources, made phone calls, saw the person we thought we should be, who should see us, and we still lack. We're going to die in this condition. Do you want to be healed? And we find out also from this passage, not only was this man, it says one man was an invalid for 38 years, but Jesus knew that too. And maybe he knew that better than anybody else there that day. Because not only does this individual lack mobility, he lacks people. We read um, from this verse when he says, do you want to be healed? Verse 7. Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. I'm going to read it again. I know it's behind me. Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. I have to crawl, and the guy next to me who is blind gets to at least walk towards the pool. He stepped on me and he stepped over me to get there first. Not only that is vivage and imagery, but he's also saying, I have no one. Wendell Berry and his story, it's entitled Remembering. Andy, who is a part of the Port William community, loses his hand in a farming accident. And in this place, that is neighbors and friends and community and belonging and fellowship and connection in a place. So people in a place that we all want. This is what he says about himself because now he's lost his hand. He says this, neighbors, I have no neighbors. Friends, I have no friends. I am no account to anyone. Not only am I confined to a yoga mat, I'm always sitting here by myself. I'm going to read something else, this idea of lack of people. And again, we don't know all the details of his situation, but we know what it's like to feel like our life is confined to a yoga mat and we're all alone. I don't know if you've ever got bad news over a phone call. It's like, why did you call me when I was in Publix ordering deli meat? This feels so ordinary, and not only is this happening alone, but what you're facing or what I'm facing, we face it alone. We go into the hospital alone. We go into the surgery alone. We face all these different things alone, and we say difficult and hard 
things to ourselves. And I'm going to use one more um, song lyric from The Greatest Showman about where this individual could be and where you could be this morning. I'm very, so I'm very, we have a seven, five. I don't even know my kids' ages anymore. In the pandemic, I'm like, everything's two weeks ago. Who knows? Seven, how old are my kids? Seven, five, and four. No, seven, six, and four. Sorry, we just have birthdays. Seven, six, and four. I'm confident. I'm fine with the noise. That was my only point. And then I got my kids' ages. That's great. I do know this quote. I'm going to read it, some song lyrics. I'm no stranger to the dark. Hide away, they say, because we don't want your broken parts. I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away, they say. No one will love you as you are. He lacks the ability to walk, and he lacks people. And the takeaway from this point, and Jesus knows it all. We read verse 6, When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he saw him lying there and he knew that he had already been there for a long time. The word used in this passage is intimate knowledge. It is up close. It is personal. We read in Exodus chapter 2, God talking about the visible people of God who are now slaves. This is what he describes when they're screaming out to him and wondering, does he hear? We read from the Psalms, how long, O Lord? I hope one day you'll actually respond. We read, God saw the people of Israel and God knew. If you would like some additional reading this afternoon, I think it'll only take a minute. Read Psalm 139, which will be the first psalm our group looks at on Wednesday. And in it it says, God knows me. God knows every, everything about me. God knows my thoughts. God knows my words. God knows when I get up. God knows when I go to bed. God knows me, and so many times we act like we're at summer camp when they hold up the shirt. Whose shirt is this? Atlanta Braves. (laughs) If you've worked at a camp, it's pretty comical because then they like read the initials, and you have the camper in your cabin, and you're like, dude, that's your shirt. It's not my shirt. (laughs) I saw you wearing it like we have a picture. That's your shirt. It's like it's not my shirt. Sounds silly, but God, like, knows our shirt. He doesn't have to get to the initials to wonder who who, um, wears this. He knows us, and in Psalm 139, it says, No matter what we are doing, he is everywhere with us. He is present. Man, I've had um, a hard time believing that this month. It's like the longest, it feels like the longest decade of my life in just a month. I know you. I'm here with you. And then the psalmist goes, because you made me. All my broken parts, all the places that I lack, and God says of us, and I love you where you are.
significant to him. And that brings us to our second point, which is a, a short application point. Verse 8, everything we know about the man, do you want to be healed? If only I could get to the water. Jesus says to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and he walked. This get up is right now. This get up is not the like, I'm going to hit snooze and probably do it again in 10 more minutes because what am I going to get up for today? It's not that. Jesus is saying, get up right now and this man who has not taken a step in 38 years has confidence that he can actually stand. And he stands and Jesus says, take your mat. Take the way that you have been confined to a yoga mat all this time, roll it up, put it over your shoulder and walk and keep walking. Take a step and take a lot more steps. And we have in this yoga mat that is now on his shoulder. What has identified him his entire life on the outside and what that's doing to him on the inside? What is that for you today? And I ask that because now this real personal up close encounter with Jesus, this individual now for the rest of his life is actually going to be defined by what he has. And that's Jesus. It's not just his mobility. If you continue to meet the passage at this point, he has no idea who Jesus is. And they have another interaction that is also incredible for a different reason. Saying walk Take a step and keep walking, and your life now will be defined by this interaction when you are sitting on a mat and staring at water, and now you have had a personal encounter with a true and living God. He knows your life today. It's significant to him, and he wants to transform it. A few points of application um, for us. So we know he has the power to do it. And I want you to think about those that you have loved or those that you have buried or those who are sick or those who lack whatever it is. We know that he can. That's why we pray. It's trusting and it's a request and a lot, it's a lot of different things. And there is a timing component to it. In other words, my dad who has rare tremors, he can't stand. The day will come where he can walk. I don't know when that day is. There is a request that he will, and there's a timing component that only God knows, and we know that from Revelation 21, verse 4. Pain, no more. So we are requesting, and we're also waiting. And in the meantime, what is that? Um, mean for us. It means we have exposure and encounters like today with the true and living Jesus. 
We can't know him unless we meet him in his word and meet him with other people. That's in part what we're doing today, even a pandemic. And that he would meet uh, with us. We know because of the cross and a few more just to consider. Because of the cross, because of the resurrection, because he is now right at the right hand of the Father and that we know that he is coming back. In the meantime, he gives us his Holy Spirit for those who take confidence in a transformed life from him, his powerful presence all day, every day. When I wake up and when I go to sleep. So what that means, if we are like this man, then we have to get up and we have to walk. And this is what I mean by that. When we get up, it must mean that Jesus has something for us this day. It must mean that. The Old Testament, those who lived in the Old Testament, the visible people of God, always believed that sleep, it wasn't guaranteed that you would wake up, but God would sustain us through the night and we would have another day because he, there is a point to this day according to him. Andy, who says, I'm no account to anyone, God is saying, you mean something to me. This is your day. Get up, stand up, and walk, and keep walking. Uh, take steps. There's a, that could have been bad. I'm not going to try to take steps. I've just, some of y'all didn't see it. I think I moved too fast, and this started. It was very scary for just a second. But it looks like like all of our families, which is fine, are on my left, your right. There's some in the back. But I just want you to watch these children today. Some of them who are trying to walk are not walking very well. It's a stumble. They're not completely sure. But I just want you to know those steps like ours of being defined by Jesus, those stumbling steps that are insecure are significant to him. They're significant in your life. If you're saying, I don't feel like I'm walking for him very well. Each step's significant. And for those of you who feel like you walk it, you walk a lot, you put in a lot of steps for him, you're very confident those steps are significant too. Both are is the point I wanted to make. And I will close with this as we have considered what our lack is significant and how Jesus meets us and transforms our lack. Is a letter between two pastors and what you need to know about one pastor that he was questioning his call. And more than just that, I think he was questioning, is God good? He was questioning, why did God make me like this? He was questioning a number of different things, and this is why. He was so timid that any time he tried to talk, he would hesitate. So he writes a letter to John Newton about how he is timid, about how he hesitates, about how he is frustrated and what he lacks. And John Newton, who is mainly known um, for writing the hymn Amazing Grace, I think, wrote this back to him. May the Lord direct our pens and help us to help each other. The work you are engaged in is great.
your life and our lives are significant. And your difficulties, many. All the ways that we have felt exposed for because of what we lack. But faithful is he that hath called you, who will also do it. I'm going to read that again and close in prayer. May the Lord direct our pens and help us to help each other. The work you are engaged in is great, and your difficulties many, but faithful is he that hath called you, who will also, who will also do it. Let's close in prayer. Father, help us to believe that you are at work even today in our lives, in this room, in Chattanooga, in East Tennessee, in the state, in the world. Help us to see that you are, you are at work. Help us to see, even as we come to the table, you meet us in a place where there is, we had exhausted all resources and we're also like this man stand, standing and st- or sitting and staring for someone or something. And you are the someone or something. The medicine of all medicine, the places where we feel disconnected, you make us feel connected with the Father and each other. So we are grateful for this time. We are grateful for your word. We are grateful for your worship. We are grateful for your table. May we praise you for what you have done. Amen.